Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to our weekly 10 Minutes of Meaning. Mesilas Hisham, the great Ramchal, has provided for us the brilliant formula, the prescription, a guide, how to live our best selves, how to make the most of our lives. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the 10 Minutes of Meaning series for the year. Our dear friends, Chani and Lenny Grunstein, who sponsored it in memory of Chani's father, Mr. Aaron Tambor, Aaron Ben Yitzchak, who's Neshama Shadav and Aliyah. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your support. We are on the 14th chapter, and we have been learning about the concept, we're up to the quality of precious. We began with Zahiras, how to live a life of mindfulness, conscientiousness, how to be present in all of our thought and our deed. We then moved over to the world of Zurizos, of alacrity and zeal and enthusiasm, how to set goals and pursue them. Then we moved over to Nikias. What are the impediments to those goals? What are the things that we need to struggle with and try to move over from the area of the battleground to conquer territory? And that brought us up to the Midah of Precious, to the concept of abstinence or transcendence, how to live a life in which we are living without even that which we're entitled to live with. In other words, even that which is permissible, even that which is allowed, just because it's allowed doesn't mean it's good for us. And Mechel Ke'aprishas in the 14th chapter that Ramchal has been telling us about the elements of abstinence. Abstinence has such a negative connotation. Abstinence is a word so connected and related to other religions and not our own. So I don't like that translation of abstinence. But I like the notion of precious of the idea that just because something is permissible doesn't mean it's good or it's right. We're trying to grow and we're trying to flex that discipline muscle. Discipline is freedom. The more disciplined with money, the more financial freedom. The more disciplined with time, the more free time. The more disciplined in any area of life, the more of it you'll have. And so precious, the quality, the notion of living without is not punitive. It's not to punish ourselves, but rather it's to prove to ourselves who we are and what we're made of. It is to exercise that disciplined muscle so that ultimately we can achieve the freedom that we crave. Nathan travels safely, Greensboro, North Carolina. So, our rabbis have told us, A pasuk from the great prophet Yechezkel Ezekiel that says, My soul has not been defiled. What does it mean, my soul has not been defiled? It means the Gemara and Chulin, our rabbis derive, I've not eaten from any animal that required a rabbinic decision. I've not eaten from meat that had to be slaughtered quickly. In other words, maybe it's permissible. Maybe I can get away with the bare minimum. Maybe it's legit. Maybe it's good enough. But this great comment by the Prophet Yechezkel was, uh, an area of virtue was, I didn't get away with the bare minimum. We talked about last week with mezuzahs. They should be parallel to our car. Do you have a car with no bells and whistles? Are you still rolling down your window? Are you have a car that is the bare minimum? Or do you like a few uh, luxury? Do you try or indulge in a few uh, benefits? So whatever you do for your car is true for your mezuzah, what you have to spend on your mezuzah. So just because you can have it, just because it's permissible, doesn't mean it's good for you. Technically, something is allowed. Strictly speaking, it's good enough. But since when is good enough? Enough. Since when is good enough? Good. Just because it's good enough doesn't mean it's good or it's right. It's not what we want from the people around us. Can you imagine if God told us, look, I didn't give you everything you want, but it's good enough. It's good enough your legs kind of work. It's good enough your eyes and your ears and your mouth and your heart. They, kind, they, they work good enough. They work well enough. We don't expect good enough from others, and we shouldn't 
be satisfied with good enough for ourselves. And therefore, part of the area of discipline and growing in discipline is to challenge and to push ourselves, to demand of ourselves, to have high standards for ourselves. And even when we can get away with less, to ask of ourselves more. So the Ramchal says this is a very high level and we're not saying it's what required and we're not judging those who don't meet this expectation. What we're saying is those who crave and want more, isn't this amazing? Just because something is strictly permissible, just because there's a leniency to rely on, just because good enough is in fact technically enough, doesn't mean it has to be that way for everyone. So one has to look in the mirror and one has to evaluate themselves and one has to decide who am I? Am I a good enough person in life? It's good enough. I get a decent enough paycheck. I barely pay the bills, but it's good enough. Or do I have ambitions and aspirations? Do I want to grow in my health and wellness? Do I want to grow in my profession and career? Do I want to go in my relations? My marriage, good enough. My parenting is good enough. And the things that I have, they're good enough. And my livelihood is good enough. Is it all good enough or do I want more? And can I channel, can I take, can I box that wanting more and redirect the wanting more, not just to wanting more things and to wanting more extravagant experiences, but to wanting more of myself, to wanting more for myself. Can I set goals and pursue them? Can I demand of myself and achieve it, live at that higher level and live at that higher plane and live in that higher place because the reward of the effort and the reward of what I've given up is manifold and multifold. The benefit, the joy, the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the purpose, the meaning, well and far outweighs what I had to give up in the effort to achieve it. And this was a comment that Mar Ukva, one of our great sages, says in the Gemara Chulan. He says, I am like vinegar, the son of wine. My father was like wine. His vigilance, his scrupulosity, I am like vinegar. I'm a step down. Why? Because my father, when he ate meat, waited 24 hours in order to have dairy. Between meat and dairy, imagine some people very close to me have a fear of fleshic syndrome. Never ever want to become fleshic because... What if I crave something milchik? One of the most liberating things I did for myself several years ago is I taught myself and I transitioned to the world of black coffee. Psst. Aside from the fact that it's much healthier and aside from the fact that dairy is not so good for you to begin with. I don't know about vegan chanan, but dairy can uh, make you congested, all kinds of other lactose intolerance, Ashkenazi stomachs. But if you get off of the dairy, if you learn to drink coffee black, the way it's meant to be drunk, the way real men drink uh, black coffee, then you'll never ever be desperate or worried about when do I become milchik, when do I become dairy. You'll overcome your fear of fleshik if you can learn to live, to drink a good, delicious black coffee. Lean into the black coffee. So he describes Marukva. He says, my father, he would wait 24 hours between meat and dairy. You can imagine the fear of fleshik people, 24 hours? He said, he was like wine, but I'm just vinegar. I'm vinegar, the son of wine, because I don't wait 24 hours. I don't eat dairy in the same meal as meat, but I eat it in another meal. And in fact, this is the source of the great debate of how long does one wait? Because he said, I wait between meals. So how long is between meals? Six hours, five hours, three hours, one hour. How long is between meals? And we have different customs. But for our purposes, the point is, of course, the 
the law is not like his father did, one need not wait 24 hours. If in fact that were the strict law, Marukva would never violate it. He would never go against it. He says, my father, he lives at a higher level. He demands more of himself. Yes, it's enough to wait between meals. My father waits 24 hours. He has meat days and he has dairy days. So Marukva says, I'm not on his level. I don't expect the same of myself, but I can admire my father. I can look and admire and acknowledge with great affection his level that he lives on that plane and in that place. So that's the idea. The idea is that we're not meant to necessarily be there forever. You know, we have this notion of, what are they called, like hit workouts, high intensity interval training. So you do that religiously and spiritually too, high intensity interval training. You can't necessarily maintain that resistance or that cadence for long term, but you can have bursts, you can have intervals, you can have output of intensity and then you come again back down. So spiritually too, we can demand of ourselves an intense interval output, a burst. We do that. The 10 days of repentance, we have certain practices. We don't have the whole year. We introduce slichos, gets us to shul earlier in the morning. We don't eat pas uh, akum. We have certain practices and stringencies. Those 10 days, it's a high intensity interval training for our soul, not just for our body. So yeah, you have sometimes you're working out hard and then you have periods of recovery. And spiritually, there are times that we push ourselves hard. So even though that's permissible, I could learn to live without. Even though that's allowed, I'm in a disciplined place. There are people, and I'm not endorsing it, there are people who go on juice diets or liquid diets or intermittent fasting diets and they do high intensity for an interval in order to get a certain result and in order to prove to themselves, I don't need it. And then they can go back to indulging, relaxing, and recovery. And that's what this parak, that's what this quality is all about. It's not what's required. It's not what's demanded. And yet, if we want to become the best version of ourselves, if we want to push ourselves to be our best, then we can push for high intervals, for high intensity, for the soul. What are the periods? Pesach's coming. And this is a high intensity interval right now. Cleaning, preparing, cooking, shopping, persevering. We're going to talk about next Monday night. I'm doing my pre-Pesach workshop Pesach made easy. And if you listen to it, Pesach is made easy. I know there's a popular woman right now who wrote a book on Pesach in five days. I got Pesach in five hours. I didn't write a book, but you could listen next Monday night. And what we're going to open with some, some teachings of Ravitcha Meyer Morgenstern of the notion of that high intensity of Erev Pesach gets us ready for the Cheres, for the freedom of Pesach. So mark our calendars. The calendar has periods of high intensity intervals comes before Rosh Hashanah, comes before Pesach. There are certain periods we gear up, we get ready, we get excited, and what we accomplish and what we learn about ourselves, we then take with us into our recovery period. So this is not necessarily a standard or a level which is expected of us permanently or all the time, but rather it's something we can achieve so we can learn about ourselves and take it from there. We'll pick up next week learning more about ourselves and the quality of how to exercise this disciplined muscle within ourselves. 8.45, stay here for Living with Emuna. If you're living on the podcast, of course, rate and review. If you're watching on YouTube, I beg of you, take a moment and subscribe. You see the little button below? Press subscribe to the button below and you'll be notified in real time every time we go live to be able to learn together. 845 Living with Amuna tonight, 9 o'clock. We go behind the beam with Jeff Swartz, the former CEO of Timberland. Brilliant, brilliant, charismatic, fantastic, inspirational. Hope you'll join us then. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.